everybody. Welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan to talk about the talented Mr. Ripley. Dylan, what is the talented Mr. Ripley? Uh, talented Mr. Ripley is a film based on a novel by Patricia Highsmith, and it's about a young man who gets approached by this very wealthy guy, uh, blanking on his first name, but last name Greenleaf, uh, thinking that uh, Matt Damon's character, Tom Ripley, went to Princeton just because he's wearing a Princeton jacket. Right. And that starts this whole conversation about Greenleaf sending Tom to Italy to find his son, Dickie. And then shit gets crazy. <laughs> and we'll all of that weirdness and um, treachery in a moment but before we do have you seen anything lately you want to talk about some films Ooh, i've watched a lot yeah it's a been lot. a little while yeah um let's see i watched a new movie called shirley with um uh elizabeth moss and michael Stahlberg. oh okay it was like their performances are worth the watch but i didn't like the movie overall i feel like i need to rewatch it again but like their performances were amazing. Uh, I watched a film called The Swimmer. Before we move on to that, just about Elizabeth Moss, I kind of feel that way about anything she's in. Like, I, I watched The Kitchen a while back, and that movie was oh, yeah. fine. But when it's Elizabeth Moss and Domhnall Gleeson kind of going Bonnie and Clyde, I'm way, way into it. So did you like that movie? Yeah, I mean, tepidly. I, you know, I enjoyed my time with it. I wouldn't recommend it really but okay, okay. it's fine i've definitely had more frustrating experiences at the cinema fair yeah and like i said uh, enough there those scenes i was like totally into it but the rest of the movie was not so much working for me gotcha yeah just that one did not pique my interest at all i had no interest to see it but on your recommendation i would watch it but you're like eh. <laughs> For a movie fan, for somebody like you, I would wa I would recommend it with that qualified recommendation of like Elizabeth Moss has a lot of fun in this movie doing some wild stuff. And so okay. if you're a fan of her, it's totally worth watching. And you're a fan okay. of movies, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the rest of it's not like it's not like it fell on the floor and got dirty. It's a movie, you know, it's fine, it's good. Fair enough. <laughs> what else? Um, what else did I watch? Uh Burt Lancaster movie called The Swimmer, okay. which was really good and just different, especially for being in the 60s. It was kind of like a weird fever dream type of movie. Right. Uh, uh, about a guy who just is in his friend's backyard one morning about to go swimming, and he realizes there's pools that connect all the way to his house. And he's going to swim in every pool. To He's going to swim home. That's what he says. And the cool. encounter is uh, like a weird variation on his life and you start learning more about him. And then its ending just becomes one of the most bleak last two minutes of a movie I, I've seen in a while. It was really sad. <laughs> and like the whole movie just felt like one big allegory poem just to get to those last two minutes. Interesting. 
oh, it was, it, it was different. I really liked it. I've never really seen Burt Lancaster in a movie. And for that to be the first one, it was really good. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I'll have to give that a watch because I, I do love a tone poem. I oh, then so must two, watch it. Two that I watched recently that are kind of in that vein were, um, and actually I've talked about both of these recently, so I'll, I'll just be brief here. But uh, I watched Dunkirk which I didn't talk a lot about. It was a review for me, but my wife hadn't seen it. And we'd watched The Darkest Hour the night before. So we kind of wanted to sandwich those experiences together. Yeah. And um, I, you know, Dunkirk is so good when it's, when you're just having a moment to moment cinematic experience. The sort of like plot devices of the, the timelines I don't know if it works for me and I don't care, you know, I'm just sort of like, yeah, this is fucking rad. Keep putting it in my eyeballs. I, I really enjoyed it. It definitely works for me. I like that. That time manipulation was probably one of the most intriguing parts about the movie because you've seen war films done just so every which way. And this one really just took you here and then jumped you back here and then threw you back forward. And then, I don't know. The The time manipulation was really good in Dunkirk. Yeah, it totally works for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of his thing, right? But it uh, okay. is effective because I'm gripped by the experience. And then the other one is Crazy Six. Have you seen this one? No. An Albert Pune film from like the late 90s. He He did a bunch of kind of weird sci-fi genre flicks through the 80s and 90s. There are a lot of machine guns and a lot of, I don't know, they're all over the place, but this one in particular is super tonal. And like most of the movie takes place in a nightclub where the, the femme fatale is like, she probably has four or five full ass songs in this movie. <laughs> It's called the Crazy Six. Yeah, Crazy Six. Maybe she has six songs. Ice-T is in it. Uh, fucking Burt Reynolds is in it. Whoa. Yeah. Mario Van Peebles plays like a... Oh, love Mario. Dude, speaking of Mario, uh, I also watched Posse recently. That yeah, yeah. rules. Mm-hmm. I was uh, happy with that one. I've actually been meaning to go through more of his uh, filmography. I've only seen a select few. I've seen more of his dad's. Yeah, I don't know if that I've seen a ton of either of them. Like, I, you know, Posse and now Crazy Six. And of course, um, New Jack City is... Have you seen Badass? No, I don't think I have. Oh, dude, it's Mario. He wrote it and directed it. And he plays his dad making his dad's most famous movie. Oh, Sweet that's Sweet. right. Right, right. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's dope. No, I haven't watched it, um, but I, I totally will. I also, I did catch up with a couple of sort of seminal exploitation flicks recently that I hadn't before. I watched Coffee and... Um, oh, classic. Love Coffee. <laughs> I liked Coffee a lot. I really like Coffee. Into your life, you don't push you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie's a goddamn blast. Let's see what else. Oh, I caught up with True Lies again recently. I've watched that not too long ago either. What do you <laughs> oh, that's funny. It, man. I love True Lies. I think I that movie is a fucking blast. Tom Arnold, man. Tom <laughs> Arnold. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Eliza Dishku, too. Yeah, it's like that's got to be one of her first, right? 
I think so. Have you seen the Hotel Transylvania movies? Mm-mm. I'm going to give them oh. a recommend. That's the last one I'll talk about, and then we can move All on. of them? I watched all three of them recently. Okay. Uh, the first one is very, very good. If you enjoy it, the rest of them are totally worth watching because it's more of the same stuff, you know? Okay. But the reason I recommend it is because it's, it's uh, is it Gen- Gendy Tartakovsky? Gendy Tartakovsky, the guy who did Samurai Jack? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The director yeah. of the movie. And oh, so okay. the animation is real classic, you know, squash and stretch, snap and bend kind of really expressive stuff. So the visual gags are awesome. And it's all like the Sandler crew, but it's not, I mean, it is a Sandler movie for sure, but it's more like a, I I don't know. It's more like a classic animation vehicle wrapped in a Sandler movie. And they're they're just a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, One more that I watched. Uh, Have you heard of The Death of Dick Long? I actually just rewatched it. I've showed it to a couple friends. Uh, it's from one of the directors of Swiss Army Man. Okay. Swiss one Army of Man? the Daniels. Yeah, one of the Daniels. Uh, and it's about a group of friends who are getting drunk one night at band practice, and shit, something happens where Dick Long dies. And now the whole small town is like hearing about like this dead person, but they don't know who it is. And his friends are just like trying to figure out what to do and cover it up. It's a great dark comedy backwoodsy movie. And the reveal of how Dick Long dies is crazy. (laughs) I'm going to pull that one up like right now. Yes, it's very good. It's not as a stupid as Swiss Army Man. Like, I love Swiss Army Man, but it just has more stupid jokes within it. This one is just like a straight backwoodsy dark comedy. Right on. Um, <laughs> got any, I mean, all I'm thinking right now is Tucker and Dale versus Evil, so I'm just like, yeah, I could watch something in that vein. Definitely not as backwoodsy as that. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're that just live in a cabin. This is just like a small town. Sure, sure. <laughs> Right on. Well, some <coughs> at least yeah. about. So, so talk to me about the Team McRips, man. You're a big fan of this one. Team, Team McRips. Yeah. Isn't that, that's what they go around calling them. All yeah, that, that's hey, what the, McRips is here. Yep, that's what the fans are called. They're called McRippies. Yeah, I'm a total riphead. Riphead. Um, Fucking man, where do we even start? Like, I guess let's. We already said he he gets on a mission to go find Dicky from. So Dickie's let's start right there at the beginning. That jacket that he's wearing. Yes. He borrowed borrows it. it from. And why is he at the funeral? I, is it somebody he knows? Question. Is it okay? No, not. Not to my knowledge, I don't remember them saying it. He's just like a caterer type person, there, isn't he? He's he's a caterer at the restaurant, right? Like he works at a restaurant. That's where he gets the jacket back. But at the funeral, he's just there, dropping into the funeral. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's so weird. Maybe he's looking for a life to like maybe like 
he's like, oh, this person's dead. See how much family they got. I can maybe then take over their life. Oh, so you think he was already thinking about it? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That's my central question with this movie. And I think it's one of the things that makes it go for me, even, even still now, is like, but how much was he planning? Like, how much of this is him just falling into it? And how much of this is him really going for it? Because by the time we get to, now I'm jumping way to the end, but after, after Dickie is dispatched with, and after um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, what's his name? Oh, Freddie. Freddie. Um, the man that he falls in love with next, there's that look in between the two of them in, in the driveway where you're just like, oh, poor fucking guy. You know he's done for. So you assume it at that point, but when he kills Dickie, I'm willing to believe that he, it's a crime of passion and he just doesn't know himself and can't understand how to mm-hmm. make something of himself in this world, given who he is and where he comes from. That boat scene, so good. It's so good. But the oh. reason I point back to the very beginning of this movie is like, well, wait, what the fuck is he doing at the funeral? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, so no, th- that is something that I cannot clarify. Maybe it's more in the novels because it's a series of novels. Okay. Are they all about the talented Mr. Ripley? Yeah, yeah. It's all about Tom and his journeys. I think Malkovich played him in a later movie called Ripley's Game or something like that. Oh, I watched that. So yeah. this is presumably novel number one, the origin story of Ripley. Yes, this is the origin story. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know where this one falls. I would assume it's the first one just because who jumps into the middle of a, a series of books? <laughs> oh, The Snowman. That movie did that. I, I was going to say, in so many of our you know, big cinema properties these days are prequelizing. So you know, I wouldn't put it past the uh, author of a successful series to be like, I, I don't know, this is where he got his start. just do this (laughs) but that's a weird place to start a movie i don't know i don't know who fucking knows probably the answers are on the internet and we should have done more research before talking about it on the internet you know what that's a good thing but this is just us talking about it uh so he finds dicky or we should probably talk about uh Kate Blanchett. Sure, he bumps into Kate Blanchett on the way to Italy. Yes, Meredith. Right, and they're both traveling under assumed names. Mm-hmm. He, you know, introduces himself as Dickie Greenleaf at this point because he wants the better things in life, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, totally. That's 100%. He becomes fascinated with what Dickie has. Yeah, well, how do you know? I mean, and Dickie's got something. Can we talk about Jude Law? Jude Law and Dickie, man. He's so the Americano I want to drink all day. Man. Hey, I fucking, them at the coffee shop, just sitting there trying to plan out the day, and they're like, oh, we're waiting for Freddie. Just like watching him smoke a cigarette, drink his fucking cappuccino, whatever it is. I was so enthralled and fascinated watching him. He manages to make the saxophone look cool. And yeah, that yeah. is an instrument of great cinematic derision. Just yep. think about Lost Boys for a minute. I, I dare you. 
he doesn't give the best dance moves like the guy in Lost Boys, though. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody moves like the man from Lost Boys. Also, just a brief aside, uh, two quick RIPs, man. Joel Silver and um, um, Carl Reiner, just right before they're done. That's such such a bummer. The Jerk and the Man with Two Brains are like, seminal to my brains. I love the man with two I do too. Well of course I would it's Dr. Hefer. Two F's, three R's. Two F's, three R's. Uh what else was Reiner in? Um what am I thinking of? It's um Ocean the Oceans movies. Yeah, yeah. The original ones, right? No no. <laughs> No, no, no. The, I don't like the Frank Sinatra one. I thought it was actually really boring. No, it's super fucking boring, and um, it's Telly Savalas in that role originally, yeah. right? Uh, is it? I believe so. Okay. Um, and I he have no idea. bring the same lightness and panache that Carl Reiner brings to everything, even as a yep. straight man. Agreed. So, I'm sorry, not. back to Italy. Back to the rock and roll uh yeah okay so um you get freddie introduced through dickie who is his best friend and like the most pretentious uppity asshole on the planet (laughs) fucking worst isn't he oh my god but he's so good i mean philip seymour hoffman is great at being the worst you know he's really good at that also in scent of a woman he's the yeah he's the same kind of preppy he's the prep kid that goes with uh chris o'donnell yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, actually i like scent of a woman better if i think of it as a talented mr ripley prequel where i'm (laughs) getting to learn about philip seymour hoffman's journey (laughs) i like that too yeah uh so freddie doesn't really like tom he's friendly at first and then he, when he sees Tom trying to be closer to Dickie, it kind of makes him jealous. Like the record store, when he's just like dancing and he's just leering at Tom uh, mm-hmm. next to Dickie. He's like, there's definitely that little yeah, heteros- uh, homosexual love that they have right there. They just, uh, they all want Dickie. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants Dickie. I want Dickie. So Dickie. Who doesn't want Dickie? Uh, everyone wants Dickie. I'll take Freddie too, though. Just because I, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Freddie's the kind of guy that I would spend like the first half of a night with because we would have a blast. But by the time it gets to like 2 a.m. and he's really drunk and starting to get like, no, I got the coolest club, but it's you know 45 minutes away, and I'm yeah, see you, Freddie. That's enough, buddy. <laughs> uh, oh, man. And so, Dickie is dating Marge? Marge. Marge. Yeah, Marge. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Who? This is maybe the most I've liked Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm not generally a fan of her, but I saw this and something else recently I saw her in where I was like, oh, yeah, right. No, she actually is... Yeah, she's got a handful of good movies. And I think she's Uh, great in this. I do too. Uh, Really good, actually. Especially once, uh, like, uh, he kills Dickie and, like, writes to her saying that he's going to live in Rome and 
just so fucked up. No, it's, oh, he's a sociopath. But the way that she plays it, her like hurt at knowing that Tom killed Dickie and caring about both of them mm-hmm. is palpable and, and really heartbreaking, man. And she sells it so well. And, and just, yeah, she's good. Definitely. That whole, uh, di- yeah, it's a good movie. This is a good movie. You know, people think this one's pretty high quality, right? Definitely. It's a, uh, it just looks gorgeous. The like sun soaked bodies and the, the, just the color dripping on the screen. There's so much going on. Yeah. Let's take a moment and shout out like maybe the art director and the cinematographer because the costume design in this thing is so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. Spot on for the fifties. And yeah, and we've talked about it with Jude Law specifically. We're like literally everything that he wears is just like made me want to change my whole wardrobe (laughs) but the way that matt damon changes his whole wardrobe but doesn't quite pull it off the way that he can pull it off the hair oh good uh he never changes his hair so it doesn't he doesn't look any different in the clothes by the end he does change his hair but he that's does. only after Dickie is dead. Yes. What's his, uh, you know, Philip Seymour, call, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman calls him out on it. Yes, he does. You're right. Well, he also says, like, uh, who wears a cashmere sweater in summer? <laughs> like, I can't remember the line now. <laughs> just being Dickie a little prick. Growling everything. Well, in the meantime, we haven't shouted out the writer-director, Anthony Minghella. Mm-hmm who made Truly Madly Deeply, English Patient, uh, Ripley, and Cold Mountain. I think there's a couple more, but I think those are his big directing ones. I think I have seen only this movie. Really? Okay. Highly recommend Cold Mountain and English Patient, Patient and actually Truly Madly Deeply. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah, I have. And you, you, but you strongly recommend The English Patient, huh? Um, I do. Ray Fiennes. Okay. I'll watch it. Um, In my mind, that movie is one of those movies that won the Oscar, even though it was made to win the Oscar, and there were a lot of movies around it that were... Anyways, uh, lensed by, if I can be film douche about it, uh, John Sale shot this movie. So that's why it looks fucking amazing, because he's one of the legends for sure. And the art director, there's two listed. So John Finner as the supervising art director and Stefano Maria Ortolani. And neither of them have many credits beyond that. Hmm. So I'm not sure who to give the credit for <clears throat> all around. But it is just such a lush, gorgeous movie. And the set design is really incredible as well. I mean, I, we'll give it to Anthony Mangella since he's the director of this film and has to put yeah. up the visual space in the play definitely really is not only like just astonishingly gorgeous to look at it's economically crafted the way that he tells the story is very formalistic really reserved until these moments where even like the the dream sequences with tom were were overhead and were Dutch angle and the 
there's a bunch of stuff happening in kind of like faded voiceover and off camera dialogue. Mm -hmm. It feels like I'm watching a movie that was made in the 50s about the current day. Yes. I never feel like I'm watching a period piece. I feel like I'm watching a contemporary film that's just somehow colorized. Everybody really, it's so well cast in that regard also. This mm -hmm. movie fucking rocks. Go ahead, sorry. Hey man, I'm right there with you. Uh, <laughs> makes me really want to go to Italy. Buddy, let me tell you about it. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> the actual five-year plan at this point is we're trying to get some land and build a stead on the, probably not, the, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful place and I, I hope to live there someday. Oh, that'd be great. Um, where do we pick back up? I guess I wanna talk about this just to, um, we've sort of alluded to it, but as a piece of queer cinema, it deserves recognition. Cause you know, these guys wanna fuck so bad, I wanna fuck them. You know, it, they are just really, it's a sensual movie and it never, it, as much as it is about homosexual relationships, it's not like that's the, the thrust of the drama. Does Definitely that make sense? Not. Definitely not. Yeah, it, it's very much about them interpersonally as, in, as yeah. individuals. And I just uh, think that deserves some recognition. It's uh, good, good stuff. I feel really bad for uh, Tom's last boyfriend. That yeah. He <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Oh, God. I feel, well, obviously feel bad for everyone, but it's just, what a... What a game he's spinning. I really actually want to watch this John Malkovich one now to see if it kind of ties in in a way. I'm also curious about it. Uh, do you know more about that movie? I don't. I know it's called Ripley's Game. I've seen it like at uh, the video stores and stuff back in the day, but I've never watched it because I never put two and two together that it was talented Mr. Ripley. Ripley's Game is a 2002 thriller. Starring John Malkovich. I'm going to watch this. You know who did the score for Ripley's Game? Who? Ennio Morricone. Really? Okay. I think I might have to watch this too. What's the... Does it got any ratings on there? Let's see. Uh, it's uh, sitting at a solid 6.6 .6 on IMDb, but okay. a 92 on the RT. Whoa. Definitely yeah. got to watch this thing. Maybe we do a special episode, like a, a one-off, only ever. Just a 2002 movie. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. But uh, if we ever start a Patreon, that'll be the first episode. Definitely. <laughs> and then we have to do Scream 3. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Actually, that's, if we ever do a Patreon, episode <laughs> one, Scream 3, episode two, Ripley's Game. That's funny. I mean, yeah, I think we're I don't know, not much more to say about this movie. Like we kind of, I, I'm sure people that listen to this, who's listening to this, have seen it, and they should just watch it if they haven't. And this will be a big spoiler, but my favorite scene is Seymour Hoffman's death. 
that whole sequence. I love him at the piano, just doing his, his hand. <laughs> the the oh. literal cat and mouse of that. It took Philip Seymour Hoffman. So I was uh, Knives Out this year. Well, I guess last year now, right? But anyways, um, Craig, uh, Daniel Craig does the same thing. And Danny? <laughs> what did I say? You, is he your best friend? <laughs> did I say Danny? You said Danny Craig. <laughs> I think I might have chewed on my words a little bit. I did mean to say Daniel, but henceforth, my dear and close friend, the uh, future godfather of my children, Danny Craig. Danny Craig. Yeah. <laughs> He was, like, he was the best man at my wedding, so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, that was funny. Sorry. <laughs> Danny Craig gives his little piano thing, and I watched that two or three times and went, what the fuck is he doing with this piano? And then I watched Philip Seymour Hoffman doing the same thing with the piano, but he's so feline. I was like, oh, it's cat and mouse. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> Got it. Cat and piano. It's I did. it. <laughs> so good he's amazing he's great in everything he does yeah I, yeah he's so so good really like, i'll call out a couple of other things since we're just trying to run down the list um i just want to say that the like the actual i mentioned it before with him jude law playing the saxophone and it actually being cool but the club that they go to is cool and that song da 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 a rock and roller, the whiskey soda. I fucking love it so much. And it's so good. And there's so many movies that fail to make the cool guy cool. They, you just, people say that he's cool and then we have to believe it. But Jude Law is actually damn cool. Dickie Greenleaf is the man. And so you, you're just so in it the whole way. That song actually kind of is about Dickie because the song is yeah, about an really? American who is living this lavish lifestyle and spending all this money, but then you realize that the money's actually coming out of his mom's purse. Right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he ever is conflicted or no no he doesn't have a care in the world. Yeah, it's great. He, and that's but you're right. The song is very much about that nonchalance that, that Americans are so famous for. Mm -hmm. um, quick, quick side note, which is Philip Baker Hall, always real happy to see that guy show up. Always. Uh, Matt Damon is, he, he's doing the voices, right? I think so. He's so good. It's really good, yeah. <laughs> it's so good that it makes me wonder if it's him. It's that yeah. good. I'm no, I think I've him never also. questioned that. I've never questioned that. I've always thought it was him. It's real good, man. He's very, very talented. And obviously, we know he's talented. He's a movie star. But it's one of those little moments that kind of cues you into just being like, no, he's a master of the craft. This dude yeah. really knows how to work the instrument. It's cool. He's dead like 35, 30 pounds for this movie. He looks so little. He's got like early Captain America body. <laughs> totally <laughs> he totally does well because he's got to look like jude law right and they do yeah. a, you know it's it's working it's yeah. works on me oh, i don't yeah. know man i don't think i have anything yeah. else
Damon's best performance, right? Next to Goodwill. Oh, good question. Let's, you know what? Let's play that game. I also, this, I really like him in Elysium. Is that crazy? Is that like just a hot take for hot takes sake? I was not the biggest fan of that movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think he's great in it. Okay, that's fair. He's always good though. He's, yeah. He doesn't really give bad performances. Matt Damon's greatest performance is in, Oh, shit, is he in Euro Trip or Road Trip? Euro Trip, yeah, yeah the <laughs> skinhead dude. <laughs> this guy he doesn't know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was, yeah, I don't know. He's getting Ford versus Ferrari, but that's just kind of a fun one. He's, yeah. Uh, real, real good in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> Loki. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll back off. I Like I said, I really like him in... Um, in that damn movie, but it's not. Oh, well, hey, how about The Departed, though? Oh, yeah, fantastic. He real good. But in that that's movie. like a, that's like a, you can't nail a lead actor in that movie because it's so well choreographed to play off all of them. Well, I guess I would almost argue the same thing here. I mean, sure, Damon is the lead of this movie, but it doesn't. It do, and I guess you could say work. DiCaprio is the lead of Departed, but it just plays Damon's story so well too though well so the I, yeah, there are co-leads right it's the both of them in this movie it's Damon is the lead of it for sure yes but it it doesn't necessarily feel like his movie like honestly it, it does up until like before he gets to Italy it's his movie like, it's honestly, movie the whole time. He owns the plot. It's his movie. It's the talented Mr. Ripley. This is Ripley's story about the experiences of Ripley. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the sort of movie star cast of the movie. Not the, not, I don't mean cast. I mean, like, the Paul, the, the you know, the arch of <laughs> all of the energy of this movie. Just the way we've been talking about Jude Law, I feel like it's his movie, you know? And what I mean there really is to say this thing doesn't work with anybody but Jude Law. It's, it can't be Matt Damon and anybody else. It's got to no. be Matt Damon and Jude Law. And you know who, Phillips Snow, who you got? Who you got? You know who Mangella wanted to be Ripley? Ooh. Before he saw Goodwill Hunting and was like, oh, I want Matt Damon. I uh, it. Tom Cruise. That's... You know, you hear I that. love Tom Cruise, but not for this role. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he. It seems like maybe. I mean, maybe you got to recast Jude Law after that one. But I think so. The thing with Tom Cruise, <laughs> why would they want to do that? Well, I wouldn't. This movie is perfect. Don't change a <laughs> thing about it. But I, I kind of rejected it. But when I really try and walk Tom Cruise through the plot of this thing, especially at this point, he might have been a little long in the tooth for it. But if they had gotten this thing done in like 92 or 88, Mm -hmm. and Tom Cruise has this like, Tom Cruise has a darkness. And in 97, he was just transitioning out of, I'm the biggest, you know, friendliest, most popular man on campus to 
I am a dude with a secret and we all know it, but we're not going to talk about it. So it <laughs> might have been really interesting to see him in this role at that time. I, I think that could have been an interesting artifact. I don't, I wonder if Mangella, based on what he sees and is able to craft with this product, I'll bet Mangella sees something. And I'm, I'm yeah, really who, could he have found, who could he have found for Dickie, though, up against Tom Cruise? At that point in 97? Yeah. I mean, it Tom also has to be like, at that point. it would have to be one of the biggest movie stars, like, you know, Leo, maybe. Yeah, but there's, oh yeah, no, there's just something to Damon and Jude Law's look. Oh yeah, I, I think that's the move. This, they, they nailed it. They totally, absolutely got it exactly right. Um, but now, now I kind of want to see the Tom Cruise DiCaprio <laughs> version of this thing. Because imagine DiCaprio in that, and DiCaprio's a dude who like, we often have to shoot him, we, like I've ever fucking worked with the guy, but he, you have to shoot him short because he is kind of like, he's actually a real tall gaunt figure and most of Hollywood's not like that. So his sort of leanness as Dickie, I think you could really show that off. and then you have to shoot Tom Cruise tall and then whatever. So it's a mess. It's not actually going to work, but I kind of want to see it. <laughs> it would be a mess of a movie, but fun to watch. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I wanted, uh, Russell Crowe popped into my mind at that time. That is too, too macho. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting question. Fantastic news. What's that? Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Or you know who would have been who would have been really good is Will Smith. <sighs> Seriously. That's Think ridiculous. about like six degrees of separation, Will Smith. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Made in America, Will Smith. Made in America. Yeah, buddy. Whoopi Goldberg. That movie is wild. Sarah I watched that. that movie, dude. Dude, I love it too. I watched that one recently. And let me tell you something. Jennifer Tilly does a naked cartwheel in that movie. Yeah. And it's only like the eighth most awesome thing that happens. <laughs> I don't know. Ted Danson's cowboy hat is number one for me. His rotation of cowboy hats yeah. are number one through seven. And then number what? nine and ten are anytime Whoopi Goldberg is riding a bicycle. But like the theme of this list has to be the elephant chase. Yeah, yeah. That's right, I forgot about that. That movie's, um, <laughs> I like it a lot. Oh man, is that a 90s movie? I think it's 1990. There you go. <laughs> so stay tuned next week when we talk about Made in America. Made in America. <laughs>